Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Irish Illustrated Insider with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson from The Athletic. It's Monday and Notre Dame is coming off a 52-20 to 20 win over Navy, just like we all predicted it. Hey, yep. when a team turns it over, you know, it really comes down to, I mean, when a team turns it over four times and the opposing team scores 24 points off of those turnovers, you're going to have that kind of game. Notre Dame dominated both lines of the uh, scrimmage and really rendered Malcolm Perry pretty useless when you do that with the line of scrimmage. I, I guess I'm not sure how many points Navy would score if they never turned it over in the game. They probably would have had 20, but in like real in time. A, in real life. But I think yeah. Notre Dame would have hit into the 40s. Probably, yeah, but so. Notre Dame would have had to have driven the length of the field as opposed to 29 yards and 34 yeah. yards or whatever it was to... They would to have had more yards. Yards. but yeah, they would. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, it was a good, it was a great performance by Notre Dame. Interesting to hear Brian Kelly talk about how during pregame, and we actually have a question about this in segment two. How during pregame, he knew Navy was in trouble. He knew his team was ready to play quality football, and they did. The totality of it is impressive because, as we like to say here at uh, the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast, it all counts, and forcing those fumbles. I know one wasn't forced, but you're also running an option offense that can't they, result in they do They do keep those yeah. stats. They, they do it's, count. Uh, it's amazing they only had eight fumbles lost in the first eight games. Yeah, yeah it was one thing that. I looked up during the week. I was like, well, let's see. What and only uh, eight passing touchdowns allowed in the first eight games. Wow, yeah. Playpool is, man, he's talking about playing your best football at the end of your career. It is, he's the poster child for it. He, so obviously, the team MVP the best player on this team. He's the he might be the special teams MVP, although they'll give it to Bramlett. Chase, I mean, Chase Claypool's the best player on offense and on special teams. Chase Claypool's printing money in his yes. apartment. Yeah. As he, we speak. What a I think he might run into some eligibility concerns over this. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he is he's he's I have said on the, the local broadcast post game of the home games that I mean, he is making money, man. He is making big-time money with each one of these performances. I think the most important thing to come out of it, though, other than book, obviously, what we'll talk about a lot, is that there are some weapons now helping Claypool and Komet. Um, Braden Lindsay, Chris Fink, and Lawrence Keyes are all playing their best football. You wouldn't guess that would be happening in November. Braden Lindsay's going to go over his eight catches. He's on eight catches that we forecasted for the year. Or maybe yeah, under his 10, I said eight. Yeah, but we'll yeah. just, like, let's see a few more. True, but he should go over it. Uh, yeah, Lawrence Keyes finally playing well again after the heel yeah, injury. Nice. And Chris Fink. Fink is the most significant of those three. Though. Yeah, Lindsay helps a bit too. I think. No, yeah, like, yeah. It's uh, it like Keys and Lindsay help a lot, but Fink. I think from the start of the season, right, the staff right. thought it was going to be Komet, Claypool, Fink, yeah. and then it was just Claypool, and then it was Komet and Claypool, and then now it's the three of them, and then if you can get the Lindsay Keys to just sort of be a complimentary piece, where it's like. Five touches a game between them, that's great. Yeah, and when one of them's 70 yards, that's yeah. that's even better. Well, but yeah, you're right. You're an incredible third down play. Right. Like you know, and, two gadget yeah. rushing plays, yeah. which is the unfortunately where Nordic's run game is. And we talked about during the week about, you know, with Navy, with Navy's defensive line, if if you can do something to get on the edge, it's going to pay dividends, and that's where Keys and Lindsay comes in. I used a phrase, um, Using their aggressiveness against them, which I think sometimes I overuse it and it's overstated, but it was not in this situation uh, because uh, Evan Fockman was blitzing. I know on at least on two of the four touchdown passes in the first half, Notre Dame took full advantage of it. They beat Kevin Brennan like a drum on the back end, so it goes back to what I originally said about their safety. <laughs> Brian Kelly was not in love with the Kelly safeties like you were. <laughs> yeah, which one of those DBs did they recruit? I assume it was number 11, Fockman, because he has greater size, but he was a complete non-factor, and Brennan okay. kept showing up in a play because he kept getting torched on the back end. And they did you know, they did a great job of, of uh, 
Claypool's seven catches, three or four of them were uh, shallow crossing mm-hmm. routes. So they knew they were going to get a, a favorable matchup there, and there was no way the Navy could stay with them. And, I mean, I think, Priester, you mentioned this during the game, or at least shouted it from down press row, like, <laughs> <laughs> how come nobody likes the play call now? Oh, yeah, um, I was trying to let them it, know, Twitter it, cannot hear you. Yeah, <laughs> can't not, declare bankruptcy yeah. that way. But especially the Lindsay one in particular, corner blitzes, boom, you just you hit it over the top of the safety. Um, Chip Long definitely had sort of Newberry's tendencies figured out. And I think Komet mentioned it during the week uh, on Tuesday last week. It's like, as long as you pick up their pressures, you're going to hit some huge yeah. plays because of it. Because um, we they, just have better athletes. And the O-line, game. with Tony Jones, Jones Jr., pass blocking so well. They are tremendous as a pass blocking group. And for all future Navy predictions and projections for fans, as we said pregame and instant analysis, 56, 50, 38, 49, 41, 44, 52, good Notre Dame teams will just go out and outscore Navy. And yeah. the times you don't, it gets tighter. As soon as you get to five touchdowns, you yeah. win, for sure. Yeah, um, and I guess, Four touchdowns know. is when you get the dicey right. 2013, yeah. 2013, 2013 game. 2013, yeah. back and forth, or, and of course, even worse, the 2417 game where you really got to pull it out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's what Komet, and you just said, the athletes at Notre Dame exert their will offensively. It doesn't matter what Navy has defensively. Yeah. The Navy's differentiator is when the option's working, they can get some points on you, so you just need to score a ton of points. I, I You know, I was, I mean, I was really surprised by, I mean, just the complete domination of the line of scrimmage. Um, and then not only, you know, Notre Dame was using some five and six six front looks with their, their D-line, or, or their defensive front, but I, I guess you know where where you always have a tendency to get beat. Even Lou Holtz, because he would take away the quarterback and take away the fullback and the slot backs would average nine yards a carry. But Norden was ready for that too. You know the second level, uh, Usu Koromoa, uh, Hamilton coming up and slicing through. They were ready coming from that second level, and that's usually where you have some give. If you do, if you do have success against quarterback and fullback. There's usually give on that end of it, and there just wasn't. They do not have great slot backs either. They that's, no. that's their that's their. They don't have anything there that they normally have. That's why Malcolm Perry played slot back last year. Right, but it's more about Clark Lee and, uh, and C.J. Williams. I thought C.J. Williams had something. He only got a couple touches. Um, they had There's a couple. No t- Alexander Teach among the fullbacks G- or Kyle Eckel, G.G. Like, Green. Remember those guys no, that I, had man, going I, around I, out there? No, I, I think Norday made well. First of all. Um, Smith, the backup, he got hurt. He came in for one play. I think, I mean, I watched a lot of Jamal Carruthers. He's not bad, but, you know, when it's body on body, when it's body on body, you're just, and it's the Navy bodies against the Nordain bodies, they're not going to succeed. Ian Book playing his best football, um, going against a decent secondary, uh, a secondary had been very good against lesser competition. He looks... So confident and dialed in, and he's just winging it when he's not thinking about it, and he's just winging it on target. You know that he's pretty locked in with his confidence. Yeah, I, th- I think he's playing outstanding football over the last two weeks in one drive, and um, it's it's the quarterback that warranted me doing a big feature in August on about why he's going to be a damn game changer and, and sort of going deep in that way. And you know, we haven't really seen it. Um, you know, I asked Brian Kelly if. Chip Long, the offensive staff, is doing anything different from a play calling yeah, perspective. Got some good production out of that, question. and he was like, you know, not really. But then um, talked about how the practice format has changed a lot, and instead of giving sort of scripted plays, where my word would be, you can sort of mindlessly execute them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's given them plays that he has to sort of process in more game like situations. He used the term "show your work," um, which anyone who has kids and they help them do their math homework. <laughs> we all know what that's about because uh, anyone can write down an answer and it might be right, it might be wrong, but if you don't have the mental capacity or the ability to sort of <laughs> diagnose why what's happening is happening, then it doesn't really translate on Saturday. And, um, you know, there are a lot of great throws that he made. Um, one in particular, I think it might have been his last one, was the corner out to Fink right at the end. And it's a throw, like we've seen that screenshot all year. And the, yes. ball, and the ball does not come out. And this, in this instance, the ball came out. It was a nice throw. It was a 28-yard gain. It was basically all in the air. One of his best passes of the day, as was the scramble where he peeled off from his right to his left, running full speed to the left sideline, 
throwing across his body to Lawrence Keith. And as important, I think Pete asked that question in the press conference, Ian books it while I threw it to the wrong guy. And you know what? Chase Claypool was Claypool wide was open a, yeah. crossing. Yeah. But, hey, you, then he became an athlete making a play, which is also a great thing because football isn't always about read one, read two, read three, I'm always perfect. So yeah. he really made a nice And that's there. I think that's part... I'm not sure that I knew he had that level of athleticism in him. Like, you think he's a good scrambler, and he can sort of get you seven yards when you need... Um, he's a good runner, you know, when you need, you know, it's third and long. I mean, he can take off and run yeah. for 30 sometimes if you ignore him. But that level of throw, I mean, that's a throw. Like, Brandon Wimbush is a great athlete. No way in hell he can make that throw. That ball was 37 yards in the air, um, and that's running full speed to his left, throwing across his body, uh, which is why... You know, I've never felt like, and, and let's get back to Chip Long's play calling because I'm not saying that he's always called a good game. Of course, of course, there are moments where he hasn't. And so, you know, why hasn't he called some deeper stuff for him? I don't know. Maybe he's not seeing it on the practice field. You know, it's you have to see execution on the practice field before you call some things. So. If he can throw a ball like that running to his left 37 yards in the air, and he can throw the deep ball to Lindsey 54 yards in the air, uh, you know, it's 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 not like he has to air it out 60 yards all the time. If he can throw something downfield, the route that you're talking about, Pete, the, fink, the, the corner route to Fink for 28 yards, so that's probably 35 yeah. to 40 yards in the air. Just, that's totally a throw he can, he can make, which is why we always said they should – we understood why they kept him at quarterback because we know full well he's perfectly capable of making those throws. And like the Fink throw or the Lindsay throw, like that's repeatable. The Claypool twenty-six yarder on fourth and whatever, that's repeatable. Like you're not going to have the circumstances of that of the uh, Keys throw probably again. It's cool that he did it, yeah. but it's kind of like a novelty right. throw. Um, the other ones are that's where you're like ah okay this is where the offense can open up and they can really put it on Boston College and Stanford. I think the most important thing there is that we're not only pointing to the one Claypool throw anymore. There have been throws since that yeah. that makes it look yeah. like it's not like where was that all year? Now you're going to get a handful yeah. of them, and we should be getting a handful more because Boston College's secondary not a fan of knocking down passes or defending them. Uh, anyway. We will. I don't know if we get to a nor does Stanford. I don't know where Stan- Boston College and Stanford have been dreadful against the pass this year. Um and that's with Paulson Adiba on the back end of, of Stanford. Is he is he's playing, right? Yeah. I haven't I mean I haven't gotten into <laughs> I don't think he's played. I mean he was out for the Washington State game if I'm not mistaken. He has played before that though, because he does yeah. have decent numbers. So there's well, I guess yeah. he could accrue them all in a in a short span. But yeah. I don't okay. know, is there participation chart after I can look? <laughs> I just said Mike Leach knows who's, if he's playing or not. Uh, we, I'm guessing we, he wasn't. We do have a Howard Cross question in the second segment that's applicable to what we're alluding to. We'll be back with segment two, Burning Up the Boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from CMU Pens fan. Brian Kelly said in the Navy postgame that he knew Navy was in trouble from how he saw Notre Dame warm up. Do you think he knew Notre Dame was in trouble in Ann Arbor in retrospect? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> God, it would be pretty damning if yeah. he didn't. Just because we didn't doesn't mean he should know. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. not, I, I got my butt whipped a few times. You don't always know. I, yeah, you know, sometimes there are some telltale signs. You don't always know. I would imagine in Ann Arbor, considering how poorly they played, that there were some signs in the in the pregame. But you know the conditions are so bad. I, I, I'm not I'm not totally sure that you know that he knew he knew, if he didn't know before the game, he knew shortly after it started. Yeah, poor conditions would be a reason for him to know it. I mean, they're a passing team that wasn't going to be able to pass, so they had to become as physical as Michigan. I mean, he should know that going in. Although they passed a lot anyway. But that would be, I mean, you know, it's, it's the week of preparation which usually leads up to it. I think he probably felt they were so dialed in for Navy. And, yeah, I, we can't answer this question, but I would think he had some clue. Some no, That's and I think I think he had a clue at Duke, too. I mean, they're, they're, they're locked in. His quarterback's locked in. When his quarterback's locked in, good things happen. Um, 
you know, when Clark Lee is in charge of setting up the defense for, for Navy, he probably knew how well prepared they were considering how they played. Kelly intimated, but yet again, in retrospect, that they had to get through the Virginia Tech game. He felt they had to get through that game after they got through that game. So you can yeah. always say it after. But, you know. I'm not sure I, I really, like, just accept that. I don't accept it necessarily value. either, but you could probably, if you're Brian Kelly, feel what practice is going like knowing they were just going to punch in the face. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. I, I get that. The uh, old uh, don't, lose, don't lose the Michigan game twice. Gonna, they bring it up every deal. minute. So They're yeah, pretty yeah. close. Ohio Domer, can you help clear up the bowl picture? Yeah, I, Pete. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't. It's not. I'm it, just saying they can't go to the orange bowl, yeah. depending on where you read your projection. Well, and it's not. It's not trending in the toward the Cotton Bowl. They they got some help with Auburn losing, right, and Minnesota losing, but they're running they're out of two, time. Yeah, they're the the what hurt them was when they fell all the way to number 16 after the Michigan game, which is completely on them. Yes. And now that yeah, and yeah. now because their schedule is not good enough, they can't they can't move up in the poll. In fact, Minnesota moved ahead of them at at one point because of their win over Penn State. But they played so poorly against Michigan and dropped so far, they haven't been able to make up any ground. So I mean, I don't, the Cotton Bowl looks it's that doubtful combined with sort of the nature of the season. There's a going to be a glut of ten and two teams at the end of it um, in a way that there usually is not. So that's that's part of the problem for Notre Dame, and that's combined with like a really unique bowl rotation, where the contract bowls um, have sort of like they, they sort of have played Notre Dame out of it. Where there's there's only three spots, really, there's only two spots available. Um, it's that Orange Bowl slot, which is just contractually very difficult for Notre Dame to get, and there's the Cotton Bowl slot, and if that's really the only sort of free agent slot because everything else is tied to their conferences, you're you're just in trouble with that. Um, it, it would be much better if, like, the Rose Bowl was a playoff and uh, the Sugar Bowl was a playoff because then the contracts, right. you'd have more free agents. Fiesta opens up. At, yeah, you'd have more at-large spots. The Fiesta Bowl is a great yeah. example of that. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely leaning towards the Camping World Bowl in, oh, yeah. uh, on, on December 28th in Orlando. Against uh, Oklahoma State, I Good don't know chance of that. I mean, especially if Oklahoma doesn't make the playoff and Baylor doesn't make the playoff, Oklahoma State would be your team. If either of them do it, then you could get into like the Iowa States of the world. I, yeah, I, would you rather have uh, Oklahoma State or Iowa State? Iowa State for uh, narrative purposes. I considered asking the Orange Bowl reps in the elevator to just please bend some rules so I can go to Miami, but that was sad. Yeah, Seeing them there, and no one can see them anymore. You know, honestly, though, with the Cotton Bowl. More things can't happen. I mean, if there's some weird... Thing. Look, here's the deal. Florida has to lose to Vanderbilt or Florida State. If that doesn't happen, forget the conference. They could but, lose to Florida uh, State, though. Uh, Utah and Oregon, you know, you're not you're not going well, to get a bad enough team I don't think so from either. those two in order to move past them. The, the Civil War is at Oregon. I mean, that pretty much knocks out any of that hope of... The one day rise yeah. up, right? Oregon State's really a little sneaky this year. They are, but in Corvallis, wouldn't you think? Well, there you go. Like that's what you're looking for. Now it's it's in Eugene. But the, I mean, it's just yeah, that's the whole. The, I mean, aren't we past the Camping World Bowl? What the hell is that? I mean, this is it, it, it's the it's the world that we live in with bowl games and their sponsors, and sometimes sponsors change. And so, I mean, I can remember, are people still making fun of the Belk Bowl? I mean, it, it's been around for quite a while now. We have a lot of bowl games. Sponsors change. That's the name of this one. I don't That's think it's the bad way it as is. much as people want to play in a major six bowl, right? Yeah, I think that yeah. is sort of the line for was this a successful season was New Year's Six game and win it. They're not going to meet that. But if they went to a New Year's Six game, they'd be drawing Memphis or Cincinnati. Right. 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 So then that wouldn't prove anything. Notre Dame versus, I don't even know what Oklahoma State's record is right now. I think they're 7-3. and three. Uh, and, and they have Oklahoma coming up. So if they beat yeah. if they beat Oklahoma, I mean o- Oklahoma State is good. I mean you would you'd have a Their nice size of the uh, yes. the Canadian matchup of uh, Chuba Hubbard and Chase Claypool. Oh, is that how you pronounce it, Chuba? I do. Is yeah. that correct? Okay, yeah. I'm not sure, but that's how I pronounce yeah. it. Irish boy one, do you feel Ian Book is playing well enough now to maybe go to the NFL after the season? Before it seemed out of the question. No, agreed. They're not going to look at the Navy tape and Duke tape and <laughs> say it's time to. Give him a grade. I, that we it was just, I, I, yeah, he, he was going to be. 
he should have been benched a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, tell you, not, I tell you what he is doing. I, I'm not saying that. I'm I tell you what he is doing. He's playing well enough to be a really good quarterback for Notre Dame next year, and they make another run. Yeah, I you know I agree. No, it's not enough. He knows that. Everybody knows that. We expect him at this point. I mean, until something changes, we expect him to be back. And I want to follow up with the next question, which is from Heavy Hank 35. Since the game-winning drive versus Virginia Tech, Ian Book is playing his best football this season. Is there anything about his recent performances that makes you guys feel that he will continue to progress in the next year, or is Book's success a temporary mirage coming more as a result of the poor competition that he's faced the last few weeks? Look, if you can take Duke and Navy and replicate it next year, that's fine by me. I don't know if people will consider that progress because it's something you've already seen, but I would expect him to continue to play well against Boston College at Stanford. Um, so, yeah, I'd, like O'Malley's point was he's got a chance to be a really, really good college quarterback right. again. That's fine by me. I, I don't I don't care if that's described as massive progress or progress or just staying the same over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I know there's some people that just won't care until it's Wisconsin and Lambeau and Clemson in November, but that's probably not a fun way to watch football season. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a temporary mirage. I don't see why it should be. It's not a. Could have a bigger challenge in the bowl game by far than he has in November. Is, the, is right. one fair way of judging what his progress is right now? Yeah, that. I mean, the unfortunate thing is he's not the. I mean, the two defense, the two pass defenses that he's about to face, are really, really struggling. So, I'm not sure that that's going to be a good measure. Um, you know, you you need a bowl game in, in next year. But I, I guess my point, what I'm trying to make, is that I don't think that it's. I don't think it's uh, Brian Kelly ruining a quarterback. I understand that quarterbacks have leveled off in the second year. I think um, you know Malik Zaire never should have been in the running in in, in uh, uh, the start of the 2015 season, and so that's what created that situation. I don't see any reason why Ian Book shouldn't continue on the path that he has created here. The last, as you say, the last series or two against Virginia Tech in the last two games. ND 10-12, do you think Notre Dame's lack of a true running game is a result of the running backs or the offensive line blocking scheme? I, I definitely don't think it's the scheme because you can be a great 3-4 defense, yeah. you can be a great 4-3 defense, you can have different blocking schemes up front. I don't think that that's ultimately what determines whether you're good and bad, unless it's a poor match for your talent level or your your. Or, or the talent that you have on the offensive line, and I don't think that that is the case with with Notre Dame. I think it's more, I think it's more the running backs are average, yeah. and I don't think that it's not the scheme per se with the, the offensive line. I just don't think that they have always blocked as well as they should or need to. I think it's the running backs more so than the offensive yeah. line. Um, it's a good question because the offensive line. Really does tend to struggle against the best defensive lines it faces. Now that sounds ridiculous because, of course, you're going to struggle against better than average. But you'd think there would be a couple days where you win the day too, right? You could win the day against a good defensive line. You don't always have to, that doesn't always have to be your worst game. Well, against Michigan, they they won the, they won the night. They killed USC at night with a couple of pretty good defensive tackles. They were made to look average against Notre Dame. They're not average. They're pretty sure. good, and they they beat them up. Why that happened, I don't know exactly, but but it did. But I, Pete, do you think it's more running backs than anything else? Uh, I feel like I've been fairly consistent this year that the running back talent is is pretty poor. Um, but you're also a Tony Jones fan. But I, for but, what I also, he is. but I also thought Jafar Armstrong would be better than he was. Yeah. Like Jafar Armstrong has been the, the 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 biggest negative surprise. A lot of that is injury related. Um, Tony Jones, I think, does a good job with what he is, right. but very rarely do you hear about explosive offenses and the head coach is talking about the running back's ability to like help block on a quarterback scramble. Like, But that's just sort of where Notre Dame is right now, and that's where they're going to continue to be. It's, I mean, we have another question here from MD Sushi. What becomes of the seven-man running, group, running back group next year? Any position changes likely? There won't be a seven-man running back group next year. It's just that's that's a college football thing. You're not going to have seven scholarship running backs on your roster. Either someone's going to move positions or they're going to move schools. Well, and I hope it's not Sebo Flemister because I think he's the guy again, you know, that shows the most ability as a natural running back. And I've said it. I think I've written it multiple times in Tale of the Tape. He's got to 
He's got to convince Lance Taylor that he should be on the field. He's doing more on so. Game day. He's getting it more so. It's the last couple of games. He's going out there in right. red zone situations. That's he had a he had eleven or twelve yeah. yard run. Uh, who else had that? I mean, you know, I, Ian Book. Yeah, Ian yeah. Book. Well, that does it. Three games in a row, right? Leading, yep. Leading rusher. Um, no, there won't be a seven-man running back group. They all do a few things well, and they all have major deficiencies. Uh, do you think Tony Jones will come back? Um, because the only reason to leave is if you ever have aspirations, as Tony Jones likely does, because he's not us of playing pro. You don't want any more tread on your tires as a running back, right? Yeah, I just, I, I don't, you know, I'm acting like I know Tony Jones well enough to think that right. he'll want to come back. But that's my opinion, that he's going to want to come back. I think so, too. And Brian Kelly will want him back. For no, sure. for sure. For sure. Yes. Yeah, that's a layup. So, a coach. and it, I, it leads into the next question. I guess I put in a whole bunch of running back questions here from Buster Bivin, but what position does Avery Davis play in 2020? I, I'm not, you know, one it, look, one week I'm saying, yeah, he, he would... <laughs> One week I'm saying, hey, get Avery Davis more involved. Look what he did in the game-winning drive against Virginia Tech. But then he's absent again. I, I, I think the guys with the most potential are, you know, I I, I wouldn't give up on Jafar Armstrong. No, Obviously, no, they're not going to. I think Sebo Flemister. I think if John Mayer Smith can ever get his pads underneath his lower body, he's got a chance to be pretty good. Um, and I think Avery Davis is better on you know, Kyron Williams, defense. we don't know. However, yeah, that doesn't mean it. Kyron mean Williams, you know, we I, I don't I don't know. We haven't I don't know. We'll see. But you guys all agree that Avery Davis is better at running back than he was at corner, right? I guess, yeah. I never saw him make a play in, at corner in the spring that said that he could be a nickel candidate, which is what was purported at the time. I don't think so. Keenan one W. A plus to the coaching staff for even making this an issue, but can you touch upon how you feel Notre Dame utilizes mop up duty, especially offensively? For so many years, we lament that we never blow out the teams we should and can't build depth for the future. So I get frustrated with how little we give the second offense when they get on the field. That means, you know, opportunity to throw and stuff. What could Phil Dracovic have gotten from his time against Navy? It feels like it was a wasted opportunity to build confidence or identify shortcomings against live bullets. How do you feel the end of games should be handled, and do you think we are squandering opportunities? No, I mean, there's more than the second-team quarterback. The second-team offensive line is playing a lot. And whether you're just sort of running it up the middle or running like your full playbook, they're getting a lot of work. So that's something. Um, they don't really have second team receivers anymore. So there's there's not a lot to be gained there. Um, you know, Brian, I asked Brian Kelly about Phil Dracovic just coincidentally today, and he said sort of the pass he threw to Lindsay along the sideline was a difficult throw, it was other a, than the fact that he got smoked while he threw yeah, it. He did get right um, in the chest. But it was a tough read, and he got the ball where it needed to go with some velocity, showed some good stuff. Uh, I think that Phil Dracovic, I'm my opinion based on reading between the lines of Brian Kelly is Phil Dracovic is still a young college kid who isn't quite uh, at the eat, drink, and like live football 24 hours a day the way that um, you know maybe Ian Book has grown into or your starting quarterback or Tommy Reese is. And that's okay. I mean, he's a college sophomore. He's, and he's a he, backup. He has three that's years of eligibility cool. remaining. Um, Brian Kelly brought up the backup point today. It was a good – you're alluding to this. It's tough. It's yeah. hard to, look, Houston Griffith is a backup, and you want to tell me he was in those meeting rooms against Navy when he came in trying to – Hit the back, cover the backside post. When I, when I think that he blew, I think that yeah. he blew two coverages. One that went for a touchdown. One that went through the hands. Some guys, that. when they get frustrated, have a little trouble focusing at the back. Yeah, you know? it's understandable. It's not ideal though. I yeah. thought that I thought the seventeen yard pass. That remember when I said yeah, at the time, I, the time when he threw that ball, I thought that I said that is a brilliant, brilliant throw. He rifled it. Uh, it was tremendous. He also had a misread on a a, a read option. Um, and then in the second series, they ran the ball and they were unsuccessful in gaining the first down. Um, and, that, and and I also turned to you, Tim, and when when Mo, Moala inter, uh, in, took the, the the pitch and scored, and then uh, Navy started their next drive and it looked like it was going to be extended. I'm like, the worst thing that could have happened to the backup offense is Moala's touchdown because it then. Uh, put the defense back on the field, and Navy went on an 18-play, 91-yard drive that took up nine minutes and six seconds. I guess I look at that from the standpoint, like, why doesn't the development of the backup defense count? 
Like, why is only Phil Dracovic mentioned in the question? Yeah, Howard like, Cross and Ovia Gofu. Ovia Gofu, Ovia Gofu was second, or I think led all defensive ends and snaps played. Um, you know, Bo Bauer played a lot. Um, you know, Jordan Jen Markeith played well, a lot. Well, Keenan said particularly offense. Yeah, but it's like the other stuff counts too. Um, yeah. You know, and like whether those guys are ready to play or not, um, that's that's significant. You know, Phil Dracovic, is he going to get more out of playing one extra series against Navy than he will all of next spring practice? No, I mean that's that's where I do not blame. Is. I do not blame a coach that brings out his first his number one quarterback for the start of the third quarter. You don't want the entire second half to be, be a slog. You know, you you don't you I, you want you want to at least have him come in, be sharp, move the team down the field, score a touchdown, take him out of the game. That's exactly what happened. Then you have various circumstances. The nine-minute drive by Navy, I mean, it just absolutely ruins everything. This really isn't, I mean, it's really not a question about playing enough players. It's about Phil Dracovic. It's about Phil Dracovic. And I get that. I get that because a lot of people have that question. Um, and I think the circumstances contributed to him not getting another series or two um, because of the Mohala play. Jim Booney, CRS, Chase Claypool stepped up this year. Who do you think will be the go-to guy next year? Kevin Austin. I, sure. Other than Cole, I'll go with that. Other than Cole, I mean, it sounds good to me. Cole, other than Cole Komet? Uh, yeah, I was thinking, yeah. Well, yeah, Cole Komet he uh, will be certainly will be. He'll be the go-to guy. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, every time I watch Austin in the spring, he looks good. Austin, Lindsay, Keys, Komet. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I was talking about that, writing about that today, actually. That's a, and Tommy Tremble getting another year under his belt, getting a whole year under his belt. He's he's a quality player. I'm sure he's hit the rookie wall out there. He's played, you know. I think he a, needs to grow up quite a bit. Like, this will be a big offseason yeah. for him. And, like, okay, i got to make sure that I'm at all the meetings. i got to make sure I'm all the lifts. i got to be on time for everything. i got to play book more. Like, I think he's just sort of, like, winging it out there. Um, and that's not going to be good enough next year. Did but, you mention McKinley? When you said the four uh, guys, you I did, did not. McKinley throw will him be, in there too. McKinley will be back. I don't. I just don't see him as a go-to guy. No, I don't either. Austin is the is the prime go-to guy candidate outside of Komet. Kevin Austin makes plays with backup quarterbacks throwing to him in the spring against starting corners. So he can get the field. He can he can become a good player, but he's also a full year behind the curve, year and a half behind the curve because he lost a lot of his rookie year. He lost all of this year to game reps that matter. And Jordan Johnson's coming in, a heck of a prospect, but, you know, young receiver prospects, you, you just, you don't know. I, I'm i very confident. Did you cringe a little when Brian Kelly said running backs and wide receivers are the easiest players to get on the field, and you can't think of a single running back or wide receiver he gets on the field <laughs> in the situation? I mean, there was a little bit of like, you know. Steph, Stefferson. Might, yes. Stefferson was, well, was, we all know that he is one of the greatest yeah. Yeah. that never was. J.P. Wirt, 70. Can you talk about how key Asmar Bilal's emergence has been, and at what point did you say to yourself, Notre Dame is really going to miss him next year? He's gone from benchable to indispensable. <laughs> He's a heck of a player this year, man. That's that's quite a story and a tribute to Clark Lee and found a spot for him. Kind of wonder what happened if he just would have played Buck last year and Tranquil played Rover. But they're <laughs> beating Clemson, guys. No, you know, uh, Asmar Bilal... Story of the year, probably, right? It's just people, uh, because if they were undefeated, he would be so widely celebrated by Notre Dame fans. It's just people really want new people at this point to, to jump in, and you want to see rookies do it. But Esmar Bilal, none, no one said this, what he's doing in the preseason. Yeah, no one. I mean, when you, you guys do your A to Z's, and best case scenario was Corey Mays. Right. You know, didn't yeah. really do anything. Right. World of athletic ability. And he, and he hit it. And he put it all together <laughs> as a fifth year. Esmar Bilal's doing the same thing. I, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a it's a you know here he's walking out the door now. I mean, he's well, going he, to be walking. He, he's been around a while. No, I know. <laughs> I re, no, I realize that. But the, it's more a shame Jameer Jones is walking out the no, door. No, that's true. true. Those, but the level of pro- productivity, and I don't I, like. When did we say while well, they're really going to miss him next year? Probably because he played poorly against Louisville, and then he played well against New Mexico, right. but it was New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So probably around. You know, the first or second week of October was when you realized, man, this is... <laughs> the guy played a significant role against Georgia in the first Georgia game. Okay, you know, he's no, played, that's true. No, he's you're played right. a bunch. No, he played, he played, and he, he did, he played really well then. I, how about this? Maybe Clark Lee will make it so we don't miss Esmer Bilal that much next year. 
No, I think we should continue to panic about the linebackers next year. <laughs> yeah, no matter what, the I'm one sure. spot. Everything works out, yeah. everybody comes back, but there's that one buck linebacker well, spot. Well, and we, uh, our instant analysis after Brian Kelly's press conference today, we, we talked about Mawala. I brought up Mawala about the flexibility of him and or Owusu Koromoa changing positions. He didn't want to get into that until the spring. I totally understand that. But his non-answer was an answer because that's an indication that one of those two could move to buck, and I would surmise that it would be Owusu Koromoa. I don't know. I would not I would not move Owusu Koromoa. I wouldn't either. I would But who knows? Yeah. Again, Clark Lee, do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> knock, knock yourself out, man. I'm sure it will work out. Well when you say when you say that nobody expected what Bilal did, include the maybe Clark Lee did in a yeah, deep inner uh-uh. recesses, but I, no. but the coaching staff did not believe that Asmar Bilal was going to be as good as he is now. They admitted publicly after the Louisville game they didn't know if he would continue yep. starting. That's the best yeah. way to put that up. what an incredible job by Clark, Week, yes. Clark Lee coaching this guy. Well, yeah, Drew White's been pretty good, too. Well, I, he's, yeah. he's, so, he's already totally taken for granted. He is that, he's that rock-solid sound, really, from the very beginning of the season. He's, he's been taken for granted right away. Dave Jack 272, any fire where Braden Lindsay put some smoke with his quote-unquote fatigue tweet? Is there a rift or just a competitor hacked off about not traveling twice? I I have a general rule of not making too much of Twitter, so um, that's my answer. Do you guys have any theories or opinions? Yeah, O'Malley and I were going back and forth okay. before the press conference today because we, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I have the answer. I didn't, I, I didn't interpret him necessarily uh, tweeting fatigue question mark meant that he was misdiagnosed or I, I don't I don't know the answer to that I don't think I mean I don't know that it whose decision was it that Lindsay didn't go to Duke I, I think he made that decision did he not uh, I think I think the only thing I feel comfortable saying is there's some real friction between him and the coaching staff yeah. around the Duke game I don't know why I don't know if it's Brian Kelly saying fatigue when it was something else or, or what the deal was I also, Brian Kelly can't often share medical information about people. And so fa- fatigue is probably a loose version of what it's was going fa- on with them. I, yeah, I think, there, I think fatigue in this situation is a very broad term. Yeah. And I bet Lindsay heard a bunch of junk about it and he was annoyed by yeah, it. Yeah, I don't really want to go into... I really don't want to go no, into what we heard about what he was dealing with, but... Yeah, he necessarily... I don't think... From what we heard, it is not that... There was someone begging to get on the bus and felt fine. They said no for Duke. I, so that's let's I, take that out. Right, of the I don't believe that that is the case. I, I you know, I mean, let's. I, I'm just going to leave it at that. It, it there, there were some issues that he was dealing with that prevented him from going, and I and I and they I, scored a touchdown. He should be happy, and everybody should be happy. This is what everybody wanted: <laughs> a deep throw. It only would have been better for Notre Dame fans if it wasn't Ian Book throwing it. But get used to it. But damn, because that's what's happening for the next year and yeah, a month. He meant, he meant, that was that was as fine of a deep ball throw as you are ever pretty. going to see. Speaking it was a damn. It was Brayden, a raindrop from heaven. Braden Lindsay put some smoke on the DB in this question yeah. because man, that guy can run. Huh? Remember that a couple years ago at Culver before they were allowed to touch each other, and we saw him take off and run on our, like just a route where there was oh, nobody yeah. covering. We're like, well, that looks different than everybody else. It now looks different in pads, and that's. Good to know. All right, here's another controversial situation. Uh, TCC Irish. That was Game Four for Howard Cross. Are they going to sh- are they going to shut him down for the season or burn the red shirt? I think when Brian Kelly got back to his office about an hour ago and found out that was indeed Game Four for Howard Cross, not Game Three, as he had surmised, they're going to shut him down for the season. One hundred percent. And he won't be really happy that that was Game Four. I guess. Like I don't know. He's your sixth. Defensive tackle? Well, right. you've Did got, he need to play the one snap got, to kneel down at the end of the Michigan game? In any circumstance whatsoever. Everyone is losing their mind. Like That's re- <laughs> that's like not even in my top 20 reasons why that game was well, no. a total disaster. No, that's still bad. I, um, you know, Adam Iola suffered an ankle sprain, so theoretically Cross could move up to number two. Well, I mean, if he doesn't play... Yeah. Who does? does but he does, said that he will. But no, he no, tur- but he I, turns his ankle again in the game. I mean, there's right. So yeah. uh, Tiger Bellows mostly plays all the snaps. I guess Cross is a varsity yeah, player. I don't think that he's another game out of. I guess I'm just between him, Heinish, Lacey, 
Franklin was okay. Like I think they can but sort of those guys get don't play. Through. They don't play three technique. They don't. They haven't it's played just three technique. A couple technique. yards over. Like, <laughs> the, respons- <laughs> the responsibilities are different. I, I, I just I mean, think I, like you can get through uh, Boston College, and if if you don't feel like you can. By all means, play. Yeah, I'm not. Right. I'm not a proponent for playing yeah. cross in the fifth game. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm just saying that if Adamiola can't play, right now it's a bit of a situation because those other guys are nose tackles. Well, I that's know. fine. That's why you have, you have you have backups. Like if if they really have to play them, play them. Right. Um, but I still, someone still erred by playing for one snap when Michigan's kneeling down. Yes. That is no way around that. Yeah, I just like in 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 the and all the angst around this season, the Howard Cross one snap against Michigan. I. I I cannot summon the angst over that. Well, it shouldn't. Ha- I mean, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. That's, I, I that, with that it. part. That part's crazy. But uh, I have a question from jo- uh, Joseph Ramos, and it was a lot longer than what I cut it down to. Uh, <laughs> do you anticipate the same aggressive play calling these next two games that we saw against Navy? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely, it's working. So stick with it. I would assume BC will have a different approach after that. <laughs> the Navy did, but yeah, I still think the aggressive play call because you can be aggressive without firing the ball down the field all the time. You can well, be aggressive attacking in every way. Having watched BC a little yeah. bit, man, they do not have a difference maker on their defensive line, and that's reflected that's in their sacks and it's reflected in the yardage that they're giving I up. I think the passing that they end. give up one one hundredth of a yard less per play than Bowling Green. Yeah, they're uh, they're Boston College. What they were built on those years they beat Notre Dame, man, oh man. Nothing, nothing like this. I, team. When this you team. see how average their defensive line looks, it's like, man, you don't. No wonder you can't. Mm-hmm. You don't have anybody to rush the quarterback now. Notre Dame's going to need a, a mid-December exhibition game to get ready for whoever their bowl opponent is after these defenses they've rolled through here the last four weeks. Now, uh, they don't turn it over, and their running game is a handful. They line up AJ Dillon eight yards deep, and they run stretch plays to let the offensive line do its stuff. It's a pretty good offensive line. They can run the football. That's going to be fun because of Clark Lee's defense and, and a yeah. legitimate top tier running back. Still, yeah, we got to have something to keep our interest. I still think, I, I you know, even though they're going to be and the the running back uh, in tandem with AJ Dillon is bigger. Yeah, he's not better, but he but he's bigger. So they are going to try to pound. And I would. I would venture to say that I would think that Nordheim's defense is much happier trying to tackle two hundred fifty pound running backs than. Malcolm Perry and preparing for 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 that. So, um, they'll they they're talking about being physical. They'll have to be physical to stop Boston College's running game. ND grad mom, what exactly did Brian Kelly mean when he said the team had to learn to flip the switch? You can practice hard during the week, but when it's game time, you better be ready to play your best football. I mean, I don't you know I don't know that it comes down to anything other than. You better be at peak performance and efficiency when it really, really matters. I thought it was an artful way to put it on the players. You know, it's not... Everyone was like, oh, he's throwing them under the bus. Like, no, he's just like, eventually, the players, just do it. Like, I also thought it was kind of a a roundabout defense of his coaching staff. Because as much as you're like, oh, we got to coach better, and he detailed one of the ways they change it up... um, I don't think he looks at the game plans that they've had all season and think like, well, these were deficient. Like the problem is somehow Chip Long, uh, Tom Reese, and you know the rest of the offensive staff. I think it was a sign that like, look, we're we're tr- we're pleading with you to go out and play better. Um, Wouldn't not, you say the no. game plans were commensurate with the rest of the year in the Michigan game though? I mean, you've already you've brought up why are you doing two high safeties when the team can't pass? Yeah, that was why bad. I mean, that was just like a total disaster in every way. Like no one, no one is without blame for that one. Um, I just thought the way that he described flip the switch and go out and play, and you know, the you can prepare all you want, but eventually you got to get out there and perform. Like to me, that was all a roundabout way of saying like. My coaching staff is doing a better job than maybe what the general public thinks. I, I agree that that's what he was saying. I've always believed that if your team doesn't flip the switch, you as the head coach are yeah. responsible. Ultimately, everything comes back, as you, Absolutely. you say often. Absolutely. It's a weird game not to be able to flip the switch for. No, it just doesn't make sense, and I'm tired of talking about it. <laughs> well, he's going to bring it up again when they beat PC. I know. The and that's the the big reason why I'm so <laughs> interested in like the fan. I'm sure you guys are getting the same thing on the Four Horsemen Lounge as I get in the comments. Like... There's like a, why do you keep bringing up the Michigan game? It's like, I don't know, because the head coach does? I mean, that's really like the line of demarcation for this season. Either this season was really going to go off the tracks, 
or they were going to use it as like, all right, we bottomed out. We can figure out a way to pull this together, and it's been the latter. Yeah, I, yes, it is. I I don't I don't mind talk, talking about. It. I just I don't have the answer to it. Is, right. is what why they played to uh, to that such a low level? B man underscore twenty seventeen is one loss still probable until they've won their next two, or is it more likely they win out at this point? More likely they win out, and I was the proponent of one loss after the Michigan game because Virginia Tech and Navy were the two hardest, and they got by one and destroyed the other. And you had Stanford as one of the hardest, but yeah, they're I, not as good as... They were like uh, getting to Virginia works. Tech last year in terms Orange, of like, yeah. ooh, tough game at the beginning of the year, and then it gets there, and you're like, oh, they're not that good. And I thought going to Duke could be a little bit tricky, but they're, they, are, they are playing such good football now with two opponents that they should continue to play good football against. At this point, there's... <laughs> there I'd be is really there, surprised there, if they lose. There is no reason to lose a football game in, in the next two weekends. That's all this next one would be. I mean, it'd be tragic. That'd be a tragic comedy of Brian Kelly's career if he loses a twenty-point senior day game against Boston College. I suppose he still has to go out and win at Stanford. Has right? that ever happened in Notre Dame history that they inexplicably <laughs> lost to Boston College? He almost lost his year. second. They were twenty-four point favorite when they in two thousand eleven. Yeah, that, that, one out. that wasn't the game. I was you should. No, I, don't, you should. <laughs> I don't remember the game you're referring okay. to. That's why I have no idea what you're talking with about. The, with the way your offense is now playing against the defenses that you're playing, you absolutely yeah. should not lose either one of these. Two yeah, yeah. A walk, what a walk-on quarterback this week, and maybe a third string. At Sanford, because KJ Costello has been in and out of the lineup all year. I think this is a better quarterback for them than Anthony Brown. I really do. I, I think he's capable of doing much more in the passing game. I liked him two years ago. I was like, no, I, I did thought too. I thought good. no, but I, I th- like Brian Lewerke the very next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought Anthony Brown was going to come on, but it, there were, there was always a cap on his his completion percentage and what he could do. This Grossell kid hangs in the pocket. He's tough. He'll take it. He won't flinch in the pocket. He'll he'll hang in the pocket and take a hit. And I, I think he throws the ball pretty well. Now, again, should it be should it be enough to beat Notre Dame? Absolutely not. We need a list of more quarterbacks from other teams we thought had something going that truly did not. Chase Reddick, be on that. Let's oh right God, no? yeah, There's yeah. And dude again, from Temple in 2015, <laughs> I was like, I really like this guy, and I got benched two weeks later. And again, against the against a Clark Lee defense, yeah. this guy should look worse than what I've seen Grossell right. do right. as Correct. a starter. M and Irish 2019 is Notre Dame being punished unfairly compared to other teams who have had quote really bad nights, but still made it to a New Year's Six game at ten and two. No, I agree. I, it was a it was such a uh, failure. Well, it's like who are what are the other teams? I are... think he's just saying in the history of teams having bad bad is Notre Dame, did Notre Dame drop too far from the public consciousness that they're not able to move up? They're they're being punished still for that game because they're not beating good enough teams. Like if they had eight and three Stanford. And you put USC after the Michigan game instead of Navy, then I think they would get more of a bump in the rankings. Also, that, that game sense. was terrible. Like oh, the Michigan was, game was so bad, it, like it they was were bad inept. Bad. Yeah, and I mean Herb Street's commentary was tough but fair during it. It was a complete no-show performance. Like that's not remember it's not losing to South Carolina if you're Georgia. Against a third string quarterback, like the Michigan game was way worse than that. They had me. the second lowest yardage total of the Kelly era in the game, and the other one was played in an absolute hurricane. Yeah, it was as bad as it looks. It was worse. I mean, it was at times worse than it looks. It's amazing that it was seventeen seven in the third quarter. We talked about that recently. Said, man, that game just could have ended right there at seventeen seven. Notre Dame could move their way up to the New Year's Six Bowl. I don't think it's unfairly punished. Uh, I I think it's in Congress with having nobody. Of note that they're going to be afterwards. Uh, are we though, are right? we are we saying that there is a deliberate attempt to punish Notre Dame, which I I I, I have no patience or time to assess. I don't know if he's saying that. I'm just saying they can't move up, and he might not realize they can't move up either. You know, they're they're just not they're not beating. They they can only move up incrementally because other teams hey, lose. We, li- we live in the we live in the college playoff committee world. They're yeah. we they're going to evaluate all of these factors. That we said that sports writers couldn't because they were busy covering their own team. So now we have the best possible way at this point, other than a 16-team playoff, to yeah. you know fully, do, <laughs> which is not something I think anybody at this table wants. Um, I don't want an 18 playoff team either. Um, so that's the world that we live in. Notre Dame's 10 and two is being judged against the other 10 and twos. And Michigan's a very good football team, but you played so poorly that you don't 
you don't deserve you don't deserve any kind of break. The pro- like we had mentioned earlier in the podcast with the bowl situation, they have to move ahead of Florida. Florida will finish ten and two. They have they beat Miami, who was like pretty mediocre, but they beat them. They crushed Tennessee, who was mediocre. They beat Auburn, who was good. good. Like that's yeah. better than anything Notre Dame has on the schedule. They lost at LSU by fourteen, which is a lot different than losing forty five fourteen at Michigan. Right. Uh, and then they lost to Georgia by seven, which Notre Dame lost to Georgia by seven or six. So that's kind of a comparable thing. I Georgia just has more on the resume than, than Notre Dame does. Yeah. All right, yeah, Florida has more on the resume and, than Notre Dame. Does. And part of the college playoff committee world that we live in is that they're going. You know, you can't control the records of Boston College and Duke, and now Duke's looking like that. You can't control it, but. <clears throat> It has to be a factor, and it's just a, it's a it's a bad break after playing very very poorly at Michigan. Theodopolis, do we now retire Tim O'Malley's three touchdown principle, or have we only seen a temporary improvement? I definitely am retiring for the rest of the regular season because I would not. I don't think they start with three touchdowns and maybe don't get to the fourth anymore. Um, Going to have to happen in a bowl game too to be for people to be totally convinced that. I mean, they've done it against Duke. Right? For Power 5 teams. They look great against Duke and Navy. Navy's got a better defense than some other teams they face, but their offense looks much better than it has when that theory came about, and it was an eight-game theory. It wasn't. We weren't just throwing darts. That was. They, they weren't, other than the Louisville game, they weren't scoring on people. And the theory can always be rekindled. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I can't imagine that it's... In these, I no, not, not... His no, question, not, this, this, these right. two games, they're No, scoring. it, should, it should not. It should not be. Nine, over under nine and a half offensive touchdowns the last two weeks. I'll say over because I think they just destroyed BC. No, that's a bunch, but uh, not... No, it's not that many. It's it, it should... Yeah. No, it yeah. should... It, over? Yeah, I'll say over. So then they're, that's like, there's yeah. no way they're losing the last I would two games. Say, and I would say if it goes under, it'll be nine. That should be enough uh, to finish 10-2. and two. Well, you know what? All these losses at Stanford, they have never given up less than 27 points, so they're going to have, would be a good thing to start this year. These All these losses in a row, including going back to the Weiss era with the 45 to, I don't know, 2009, Pete, we can bring it up for uh, a one-week anniversary of 2009 There is absolutely no way that Stanford should score 27 points. That's what I was thinking why I brought it up, because they don't always give up 27, 30, 38, 34. So. All right, that's a wrap for Irish Illustrated Insider. Join us again for Thursday's podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.